Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Angie Freeman, who is human, uh, Chief Human Resources Officer at CH Robinson. And today we're going to talk about talent management and logistics, why it's more important than ever. Now, you know, in the supply chain industry, we often talk about the importance of people, process, and technology. But a, a lot of times what I find is that people, the people dimension gets the short end of the stick, uh, particularly when, you know, you have all these cool technologies that seem to grab the headlines, you know, things like, you know, yeah. blockchain and machine learning and artificial intelligence and driverless trucks and the, the list goes on and on. Um, but, but the reality is that, you know, talent management is more important than ever. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Uh, what are some of the key factors that companies ought to be thinking about and considering, um, you know, with regards to talent management? And is talent management truly becoming a competitive differentiator? Yeah. Well, those are some of the questions we're going to address in today's uh, episode. And it's great to have Angie on the program, who's you know, not only a thought leader uh, in this area, someone with a lot, a lot of experience and obviously, you know, lives and breathes this every day there in her role at, at CH Robinson. So, uh, Angie, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. This is clearly a topic that's really close to my heart and my role. And um, at Robinson, we, I've always considered ourselves a people company. So it's fun to be here to get to talk about this. Great, great. Now, you and I had the opportunity, I think it was probably about three or four years ago, we were at uh, the CSCMP annual conference and we yes. were uh, doing a session together focused on young professionals. I, I thought it was a great, you know, great session. A lot of learning you know, went on there. And I don't know if it was during that session or some other interactions, but, but I've heard you say that supply chain and logistics leaders have two jobs. You know, one obviously is delivering business results, which is the one that you would, you know, it's the most obvious one. But the second one I think is, is, is uh, really, uh, I got attached to, which is the second job is really developing talent, you know? Yeah. So why is talent management, you know, so important today? Yeah. Well, I loved your setup for this conversation because you were absolutely right. There, I think, have been times where the people conversation has taken a back seat. And what I see really changing now, which is kind of exciting, is there's something happening in the business world's collective consciousness right now that is bringing people and talent strategy to the forefront. A couple of examples of that. Um, I'm sure you know of, and I'm sure many of people have heard of BlackRock. They are now the world's largest asset manager. They manage about $6.3 trillion in assets around the world. That'd make them the third largest economy in the world if you translated that into GDP. And so when they talk about things or have influence on things, you can imagine that their opinion carries a ton of weight. And their CEO, Larry Fink, has started to be more active in talking about um, issues that, that BlackRock believes management teams at companies need to focus on to improve their performance. And one of their 2018 engagement priorities is human capital management practices, because in short, they believe that how companies manage talent is now an investor issue. So they are pushing really hard to say how the companies that do this the best are the companies that are going to win. And you know that makes a lot of sense because if you think about the most successful companies of our time, the ones who have created real sustained value over a long period of time, they are laser focused on having great talent and a high performing culture. And that they understand that if they put that first, that the, the success will follow. The last example I'd give of this, of you know, sort of this uh, conversation that's happening in the zeitgeist about talent being sort of the thing today is there's a really cool book out called Talent Wins. It was done by three you know, heavyweights in the industry, the managing partner of McKinsey, the vice chairman of Corn Ferry, and Ram Sharan from MIT. And the premise of their book is basically that talent, more than strategy today, is what creates value. And that CEOs need to manage human capital 
as wisely as they manage financial capital. And that really is new in the thinking of, you know, a lot of the business world and sort of putting talent first. And so I think, you know, if you think about this is a knowledge driven economy, it's an innovation driven economy, the pace of change is accelerating, that it really is those companies who get their talent strategy right, that will be the winners in the long run. It truly is the competitive advantage today. You know, those, those are all great examples. And, and just as you know, luck would have it, you know, during lunch today, I was reading the Wall Street Journal. There was an article about Uber, right? You know, I guess they reported some financial, you know, results and growth. And uh, obviously, you know, they, they have been in the headlines, you know, last year for a lot of negative, you know, things. And they brought in a new CEO. And one of the things that the CEO said in this article was that, particularly when, when it comes to their drivers, uh, said, you know, we've always called our drivers partners, but we really never treated them like partners. So one of the key focus areas for Uber moving forward is really investing in their, you know, in their people. And, right. you know, so I thought that was, I was like, this is like perfect. I'm, I'm reading about this and I'm going to be speaking with Angie about the importance of talent management, but he's a company Uber uh, that again, you can argue probably, uh, you know, hit some bumps in the road last year. Mm -hmm. and, and now with uh, their new CEO, they're, they're trying to improve their culture. And, and it sounds like, you know, uh, investing in their people and treating their people uh, better than the, perhaps they've done in the past is a, is a core uh, uh, tenant moving forward for them in terms of to be a successful company. Yeah, totally agree. And it's great that they focused on that. I think it'll make a huge impact for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think now you've made the case as to why talent management is more, more important than ever, but, it, but I, it's also more challenging yeah. you know, than ever too, I would imagine. I mean, what are some of the trends that are impacting, um, you know, the way that companies, you know, approach talent management today? Sure. So, you know, I, th I think we can all agree that talent is key to competitiveness. The challenge right now is that it's really competitive for talent. Um, we are at full or even maybe even past full unemployment in a lot of these, or full employment in a lot of these roles. In some parts of the country, the talent shortage is very acute. Our industry certainly feels that in a lot of roles. And I think today's um, job seekers just have, they're, they're incredibly savvy consumers of the job market and they have a lot of choices. And we just frankly just don't have enough talent in a lot of sectors that we will need, especially in logistics. This is so important to the nation's economy because we know we are the backbone of the economy and what makes the economic engine run. So you have this, this critical shortage of talent. Barron's had an article maybe six weeks ago called the Great Talent, Great American Talent Crunch. It's something in this country we're facing. And that then layered on top of the fact that we're experiencing this profound generational change in the workplace with boomers leaving, the millennials now you know, well into the workforce and starting to even become leaders in the workforce, and then Generation Z now graduating from college and coming in. And the preferences of that, those demographics are just different. It might be because of their life stage. It might be because of what they've experienced and they're growing up. But they are asking for different things and have different expectations of their employers and their careers and what we've seen in previous generations. So between the shortage in talent and the you know, competitiveness of talent and then employers really needing to rethink sort of what, the, what the, the, their part of the deal is, the employment deal is to attract that talent, it's a challenging time. And it's those companies that will stay in front of that and are really staying close and listening to employees and prospective employees about what they want that will win. You know, it used to be that uh, companies picked candidates. Now candidates are picking companies. So it's, it's flipped on its head. And that may not last forever, but today that's the reality. Yeah, and I, and I want to get to that last point that, you know, in, in, in another question here um, in just a bit. But, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I think I was at a conference recently 
And it was interesting because I hadn't thought about this. And he made the point how, you know, we still talking about millennials, millennials. And I think most people have in their head, you know, when they picture millennials, they're picturing someone who's like just out of college, you know, hanging out with their cell phone. And the reality is that millennials today, to your point, I mean, a lot of them are already married with kids and yeah. they're already moving into leadership position. And really, it's Generation Z that we should be talking about because they're the ones who are entering the workforce today. But yet, you know, you, a lot of the headlines and a lot of the conversations still around millennials. I mean, not, not that, you know, we don't have to think about them. And but, right. but there are differences between millennials and Generation Z and then, you know, those that will follow them as well. I, I totally agree. And I'm always a little bit reluctant to generalize about 80 million people, but there are some things that trends in the marketplace that do seem to be um, pretty real and that companies are adapting to. And, and, you know, sometimes you hear stereotypes and they can be pretty negative. I, I, I like to focus on, we have so much opportunity with these newer generations. They're bringing some new things into the marketplace and to the workplace that we need. Um, especially millennials, they're tremendous collaborators, both millennials and Zs. Of course, they've grown up with technology. Their orientation toward technology is completely different. Um, they have expectations around career path and how much the company will develop them and how fast their mobility will be in their career. Um, different expectations of how long they'll stay at a company. So that's something for all of us to grapple with. But I, you know, there's, to me, there's far more that's really positive that we should be capitalizing and leveraging on than to worry about changes, their differences that might be different than previous generations. And, and the Zs are coming out of college and they will be asking for new and different things. And just like we have to stay close to customers and thinking very carefully about what do my customers need from us and listening to them and, and making sure that we're meeting their needs, we have to do the same for our employees. Absolutely. Well, I, I have, I don't know if my daughter falls in the Z category or the one after that, but she's, she's uh, graduating high school in a couple of weeks here. So she'll be entering college. So, but you know, uh, you know, in a blink of an eye, she'll be entering the workforce too. So yes. and I know she, and the way my other kids kind of approach technology and, and approach, you know, their expectations, everything else is very different. Uh, you know, certainly than when I was her age. Uh, so it's always very interesting. Um, Obviously, you work with, uh, you know, all the hiring managers and leadership there at, at, at C.H. Robinson. I mean, are, are the skills and, and capabilities that hiring managers are looking for today and candidates, I mean, are they different than they were in the past? I mean, what are some of the, the skills and knowledge and experiences that are, that are becoming more important today? Yeah, I, I would start by saying that there's some things that have always been important and will continue to be important. People who are self-motivated and driven, people who want to work hard and succeed, people who care about the quality of their work. Um, and, but there are newer skills as our industry becomes more technology driven, as the world looks at new things like automation and artificial intelligence, there's new skill sets that are becoming more and more competitive and, and desired. Things like, well, analytical capabilities, technology capabilities, um, software engineering, data science. Those are new skill sets that are becoming increasingly important in logistics and supply chain that there's high demand for. But I, you know, again, I would couple that with um, in, in this era of where we're seeing increased automation and the use of technology, what some people call soft skills, I actually like to refer as power skills, are becoming incredibly important and in demand. Um, communication skills, both oral and written, persuasion, influence, empathy, the ability to build relationships, those are really key skills that humans bring to the equation that are not going to be replaced by robots anytime soon. So for those people who, are, um, who, who have mastered that or can build on those skills, I think every employer I talk to is looking for people who have, who have that capability. I, I saw something recently that LinkedIn looked across all of their, um, 
the, the openings in their network, you know, the role openings. And the, the most um, in-demand skill across all those job openings on their system was communication skills because it is so incredibly important, especially how fast we're all moving today. Those people who have mastered that and know how to connect to people and communicate their ideas really well are going to be in a really tremendous position to compete. You know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I remember when I started my career, I started my career at Motorola. And Motorola had Motorola University where they trained, you know, their, their employees and developed their employees. And, and I, I tell you, one of the uh, courses that I took uh, that I think has been foundational to what I'm doing right now, which is communicating. And, and I, I never would have imagined that I would be doing this, you know, decades later. But it was effective, a class on effective listening and effective presentation. And it was really all around you know, to your point, being able to effectively, you know, listen to another person and, and understanding what they're saying and, and, and then to be able to, uh, you know, succinctly and clearly communicate your ideas and thoughts uh, with upper management, with customers, with suppliers, so on and so forth, because that was such an integral part of what every employee really needs to do, you know, moving forward. I have a question there because, I mean, I think maybe this goes back to the point you made before in terms of perhaps some of the misconceptions of bad rap that, you know, uh, some of the younger generations might have is, so on the one hand, I completely, I completely agree around the communication skills, but I think some of the um, uh, misconceptions perhaps, or maybe it's a reality, is that, you know, we live in this uh, day where people are just texting with one another, um, you know, kids are not socializing in person as much anymore. It's all about texting or FaceTiming. Do, do you see developing those communication skills more challenging today as a result of the way people are using technology today or uh, I, not as much? Well, I maybe. I mean, I don't want to say no, not at all, because, of course, communication is changing a lot. And, and we all see our children and people texting more than they used to or, you know, abbreviating their English to make it uh, faster. But, you know, I, I think that's just the nature of the world changing. Um, I, I think communication always needs to be something that's cultivated and developed. And, and some of these shorter forms of communication or just writing instead of oral are really efficient and really fast and expected in our culture. But I think you need, I think you need the whole package. So um, it's something that we work with our employees to ensure that they feel comfortable and are effective communicating in all different mediums and in, in, in person and um, virtually like you and I are doing today as if we were sitting across the table from each other. I think that's just part of our world today. And I, I think, those of us who didn't grow up in that environment have to be really careful not to discount the impact of those other forms of communication and that if the ultimate effect is they're still having a success or they're still having influence or they're still building relationships, that it can be done in other ways and we have to be open-minded to that. Right, right. And, I, and what I see is, you know, I, having kids of the different ages is that it really the foundation starts all the way down at, you know, grade school, right? Giving, giving class presentations or the science project or if you're part of, you know, the drama club and you're, you know, performing a, a show, um, all these things ultimately help build up your communication skills and obviously, you know, writing and, and having good writing skills and, and so forth. Um, I'm going to go back to the point you made, you made earlier in terms of how now candidates are almost shopping for companies as opposed to companies looking for, 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 for candidates. And, you know, a few years ago, I wrote a post, uh, a blog post to talk logistics titled, do 3PLs have an image problem with young professionals? And, you know, my point there was that young professionals might look at logistics as a, you know, quote unquote, old school industry, right? Um, you know, especially compared to companies that are, you know, younger and hipper, you know, the, the Facebooks and Googles and Apples and Amazons and, and so forth. Um, you know, is this a real, you know, challenge uh, for, for, for the industry? I mean, how can 
logistics companies, you know, break perhaps if those misconceptions that still exist out there that, um, you, you know, that help them com better compete with some of those companies that have, you know, l l let's say a, a hipper uh, kind of uh, image to them. Yeah. Um, I remember that article well, and I, um, I, I was glad that you were raising that as an issue because I do think as an industry, we have to work together to draw more young talent, top talent into our industry. And I do think that, I think that's less of an issue than it used to be. Um, I think for a long time, logistics did have this reputation of being sort of old school and less innovative, um, less interesting. And I do think over the last couple of years, what we're seeing is an increased focus on supply chain in all areas of business is seeing people seeing it as the, the part of the business world that's increasingly critical to competitive advantage um, and the part of the, the business world that is as, as much as any, if not more, driven now by technology and innovation, which is a really cool place to be. Um, at Robinson, when we are attracting new talent to Robinson, we talk a lot about how critical this industry is to the world's economy and to the, the well-being and the sta uh, standard of living that all people around the world enjoy and focusing on the criticality of the work that we do um, to try to show really the importance and the meaning and the purpose of what we do. Talk a lot about technology and being really, you know, how technology is one of our key competitive drivers. And we find that that's a really important thing to talent coming into the marketplace today. Um, so, you know, I, I think it has been an issue. I think we have to keep working on it. I think if our industry is going to get the best and brightest, we have to make it clear that this is a place to be. It's also a huge growth industry, which is also, I think, really appealing. Not only is our industry growing, but um, it, within our industry, the opportunities, many companies, including Robinson, are really great about offering growth and development opportunities to their talent to take on more and more responsibility. So if you're a young person coming into the industry and you're thinking about, where do I make an impact? I've got, I want to do work that matters. I want to have growth. I want to work for companies that are going to have good financial um, success well into the future. This is an awesome industry to be in with all those factors put in place. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'm, I, you know, my, my daughter is going to be studying engineering. Um, so we'll see, you know, what path uh, she, she ends up, uh, you know, going, you know, ultimately, but I'm, I keep trying to get my kids to, to, uh, you know, think about this industry as they're thinking, you know, toward the future, because there is so much exciting things going on, whether it's, you know, on the sustainability side, which is something mm -hmm. that's, you know, my daughter's very passionate about, or on the technology side with robots and automation and everything, all the stuff that we talked about before that are kind of grabbing the headlines and in a world in between uh, that, that really it, it's a lot happening here. So I think it's definitely, it's not an old school industry anymore, you know, for, you know, for sure. And uh, I, I still remember I was at a conference and this young professional, uh, a, a woman uh, who was just graduating, she was receiving an award and they asked her, you know, why did you decide to study supply chain uh, you know, management in college, and I still love her answer. She said, you know, I wanted to work in, in, an, in an industry, in a company where every day when I got to work, it would be a completely different day. <laughs> there would be a new challenge, but new opportunities, right? So it was not, you know, there was always something new that, that was happening, and she would never be bored, and there was always room for growth, and there's a lot of innovation going on in the industry. So she, she felt that this was something that um, you know, this was an industry that really offered, you know, uh, that to her, which I, which I thought was a great, uh, great answer. Um, so, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, obviously part of the, the talent management, you know, challenge or equation is, is attracting and, and hiring and finding, you know, the, those right candidates that, that, that you're looking for. But that, that's really just the beginning. You know, you, you also have to, 
you know, train and develop them. You have to uh, ultimately retain them as well. Um, you know, which is critically important when you think about all the time, cost, and effort that goes into, you know, the whole finding and hiring and, and developing them. As, um, I mean, how should, you know, companies approach, you know, the, the training, development, and retention, you know, side of, of talent management? And, you know, what, what are some leading practices or what are some examples of, of what you're doing there at CH Robinson yeah. around that? So what I would start with is that companies need to figure out for themselves based on their business strategy and then therefore their talent strategy, what makes sense for them and be really intentional about building an employee value proposition that supports that. So we, we at Robinson did a whole study and analysis to figure out what our employee value proposition is. And we put as much science and analysis and deep thought into that as we would thinking about our marketing strategy or how we're going to go after customers, how we're going to go after talent and how we're going to keep them. What, what is it about Robinson that's going to make people want to stay and build their career here? And be really engaged because we know engaged employees do a, you know, give incremental effort and are high performing and do a great job for customers. So when we talk to our employees and to candidates and try to learn what that would be, the things that we heard that we try to put into practice are, first of all, we try to be really upfront about what our culture is all about, what our values are, because what we hear is that people today want to work at a company that aligns with their values and, and where they feel their work has meaning and purpose. So we, we put a lot of emphasis on that, kind of like what I was just talking about. The second, what we know is that um, they want to work at a company where they feel they're going to have development opportunities, well, they'll, where they'll be invested in. Um, so we have a really robust onboarding program. We, we believe the most robust in the industry to make sure that people are set up for success very early in their career to, to make an impact. We invest a lot in training and development. We've built out and made very clear our career paths. We have a promote from within policy so that people understand that if they perform and they do well, there will be opportunity that we we don't necessarily look first to the outside to bring people in. We look inside and see who are our people and what are they doing and what opportunities they want to try to give it to them. And then we've worked really hard on continuing to build up our feedback culture. So both employees and managers are really adept at having conversations and consistently working together to try to maximize the experience and the performance of that employee. So it's, you know, it's not one thing. It's a bunch of different things, but all grounded in what's the business strategy and therefore what do we need, you know, our what kind of talent do we need and how do we need them to be supported to do the best job they can they can do for themselves and for the company and while we know some employees will come and stay a long time that's great some will come and make a, a key contribution and then move on but either way we want it to be a fabulous experience because some of those employees who might leave us end up being customers or end up being important partners in the marketplace so it's it's a part of creating sort of a talent ecosystem and a culture where people feel really good about the kind of company that ch robinson is yeah, that's a, that, that, that's a great point. And I, I think, you know, I, I've, I've gone through different employers and obviously I've been on my own now for, for a number of years. But, you know, I look back to that, that very first employer, like I mentioned, Motorola. And I attribute a lot of, you know, the success that I was able to build throughout my career as a result of the training and development that they were able to provide me, you know, as a young professional, you know, back in the day, you know, when I started there. So I think it's a great, you know, framework or, or uh a way to look at it is that, you know, whether they stay there a long time or, um, you know, they make some contributions and they move on, you know, ultimately you want them to have a positive experience right. while they're there um, because you never know, right? They could be a customer, yeah. they could be a partner, or they may decide to come back in some future you know, right. time period. Right. Um, you know, that, that, that's great. You know, I had the opportunity to visit uh, your, your campus there in, in, in Minnesota a few, a few weeks back and you know, I got a tour of the different buildings. One of the things that, that struck me was I, I saw where 
you know, some of your IT folks were, were uh, you kind of work. And it was a very interesting environment. You know, there was a kind of this hackathon type of uh, uh, area. And then there was a lot of, you know, mobile uh, furniture where, as it was explained to me, you know, the teams would kind of move chairs and tables and kind of create these, you know, in a dynamic fashion, these, uh, uh, you know, work environments based on what project they're working on or who they needed to collaborate with. So it was definitely a very different environment than, than, than kind of the old, you know, rows of cubes uh, that, I, that I was used to. So I thought that was kind of interesting too, kind of creating a workspace that kind of aligns with perhaps the type of uh, uh, employee or what the employees expect in that type of a uh, role yeah. or function. Yeah. More and more companies are doing that. I'm glad you noticed that. More and more companies are doing that, and we are as well. To In our case, it's to facilitate agility. Um, our IT and parts, other parts of our company, including HR, operate in an agile environment, and creating a physical workspace that enables collaboration and different teams to form work and then disperse and go work on other projects is a key part of facilitating that. Great. Yeah. And, no, I, I, and employees and employees like to work in cool space. I mean, who doesn't want to work in an environment where the space feels good and you feel creative and innovative and work with nice people and. No, it's great. I, what, what I told, uh, you know, Steve Rates, who I've, uh, your colleague there, who, who we've had on, on Talking Logistics, and he's the one who gave me the tour. And I told him, I said, you know, when I was visiting colleges with my, with my daughter, you know, I forget which school it was, but their library was kind of set up in that kind of environment where they had, you know, tables and chairs and all that. They were all on wheels and, and, and it kind of was reminiscent of that. And I could see kind of the connection, like if they if they're in college and that's the way they were used to collaborating and working with one another and creating, you know, uh, that's what they're used to. And that's what may, they may want to look for in kind of their workspace when they go work at, at a company such as, such as yours. Um, you know, we're running out short on time here. So I've just got a couple of more questions. I mean, kind of thinking, you know, toward the future, I mean, what new challenges or, or opportunities do you see on the horizon with regards to talent management? I think, for the foreseeable future, the talent crunch is going to continue. Um, it, it's a math problem, right? We have um, so many people leaving the workforce and through retirements and genera generations departing and new coming in that we are just going to be in a period of time, especially with this very low unemployment rate where there's going to be a lot of competition for talent. So companies are just going to have to be at the top of their game to attract and hang on to the best people. Um, the opportunities I see coming are um, there's there are the people coming out of college today are and university and other programs are are technology natives. They are so well prepared to operate in a world where technology is changing rapidly, and they're really unfazed by that. In fact, their expectation is that technology will continue to change, and it's just part of your life. So I think, you know, for all of us, that's really good because technology will drive the much of the future of all of our industries. I think that's exciting. Um, this is. Another cool opportunity that I think all of us in this industry need to continue to focus on is diversity. Um, our, our demographics as a country are becoming much more diverse, and we need to be thinking about how we're tapping into some of those areas of talent where we traditionally we have not um, attracted as many people from. I think that's a huge opportunity. And I think, again, as an industry, if we keep working together to promote um, how incredibly um, powerful and important and high growth this industry is, Together, we're going to have a lot more success because we'll be getting that talent that we're looking for. No, great. I think those are all great, uh, you know, opportunities on, on the horizon there. So, so as a way to wrap up, I mean, now, what questions should companies and supply chain logistics professionals and, and, and folks that are in your role, I mean, what, what questions should they be asking to assess whether, you know, their approach to talent management is aligned with what it's going to take to succeed moving forward? Yeah. 
I think they absolutely have to be asking themselves that question. That's the first thing is make sure you're thinking about it. In that book, Talent Wins that I mentioned, uh, one of the things the authors say is that they have never seen a time like this before where so many CEOs are asking that question, are my talent practices relevant? Because they know if they're not, their long-term success as a company will be diminished. So, so CEOs are asking those questions and they, you know, I think it starts with listening. Actually, it starts with what's your business strategy because talent strategy is business strategy. If you understand your business strategy, then a derivative of that is, well, so what's my talent strategy to accomplish that? And then listen, listen to your employees, listen to your prospects, listen to your customers about your talent. And, and I, again, I, th I think the key is put your talent needs at the forefront of your business strategy because that, if, you're, if you have great employees who are engaged, who are working really hard every day for the success of their company, your company will be successful. Great, Angie. You know, like, I think those are all great points. And like I always say, you know, at the end of all our episodes, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface on this topic. I think we could probably could have spent the whole day talking about the different, you know, dimensions of, of uh, talent management, but you provided some great insights and advice on this topic. So uh, thank you very much for making the time to be with us today. It was awesome to be here. Thanks, Adrian. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you are watching this episode on demand at either the CH Robinson website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or comment for Angie, uh, you can post it there and I'm sure she'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.